to step up, take control of your business, and decide to be your very best as a leader right now. Hello there, this is Mike Payton, host of the Lead Now podcast, and I couldn't be more happy to have Steve Pareja with me. After a successful career as an x-ray technician and as vice president of an ancillary support services at two hospitals, Steve transitioned from healthcare into the nonprofit space in 2016, and he's now the executive director of Catholic Charities in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. First question for you, just to get us started, just typically, how do you introduce yourself when somebody wants to know who you are and what you do? What do you say? Uh, that's a complex answer because who I am today and where I thought my career would take me have been two vastly different stories. As you indicated, I started out as an x-ray tech running CAT scanners and MRI machines, but I knew I wanted to work into the business world. I wanted to work into leadership. So after I had gotten my degrees in radiology, I also got an undergraduate degree in business. And this gave me an opportunity to take my knowledge and experience from healthcare and move into the industry side. So I was doing sales and marketing, moved into leadership roles in that organization. But this also gave me an opportunity to explore other things that interested me. And one of the things that I didn't even realize was a passion for me was my faith. Hmm. And I was interested in pursuing ordained ministry as a deacon in the Catholic church, but being a sales guy and being on the road and going back to school to get a master's degree doesn't work well together. Mm -hmm. So I had to make the difficult decision to leave my leadership role in sales and move into a leadership role within a hospital setting. That gave me the opportunity to be home every night, which gave me the opportunity to pursue my uh, theology degree and my call to ministry. So in 2006, I became an ordained minister as a deacon in the Catholic Church, while also being a vice president of ancillary and support services at a hospital. I thought that's where the journey ended for me. But in early 2016, I received a phone call from a couple of board members at Catholic Charities, the Diocese of St. Cloud, and they had indicated that the current executive director at the time had indicated he was ready for retirement. And they were looking for somebody that had leadership background, healthcare background, and a ministry background. Wow. And there was somebody on the board who said, you know, I think I know that guy. Huh. So we actually had about a six, seven, eight month conversation before they were ready to make the offer and I was ready to accept it. So at the end of 2016, I moved into my role as executive director of Catholic Charities of the Diocese of St. Cloud and have been in this role. And what I really enjoy about it is it gives me the opportunity to live out my vocation in ministry and also live out my vocation as a leader to an organization. And being able to do my ministry 24-7 has truly been one of the greatest plateaus of my personal and professional career. Oh, that's great to hear. Tell us a little bit more about Catholic Charities. What exactly do you do to serve the community and how big is it? Give us a sense of, of what you're doing there. Well, we're here based right in central Minnesota. We are the Catholic Charities of the Diocese of St. Cloud, Minnesota, which is a 16-county area. And if you're at all familiar with the state of Minnesota, Highway 94 runs from the Twin Cities to Fargo. And I would say that about two-thirds of that I-94 runs right through the middle of our diocese. So I have responsibilities to my east 
about halfway to the Twin Cities between St. Cloud and, and Minneapolis, all the way to the North Dakota border. In that area, we're serving a lot of different communities, people of all faiths, all traditions, all beliefs. And we serve typically about 53,000 people a year. And we do so with about 400 employees and about 2,300 volunteers to do that work. And the things that we're doing is we're providing access to food. We're helping people who are homeless or near homeless. We're helping people with developmental disabilities or persistent mental illness. We've got a behavioral health clinic. We've got our food shelf. We provide senior dining. We've got a shelter for homeless youth. We've got about 30 different programs that we utilize in serving those 53,000 people annually. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Help the listener understand what it feels like to be running an entrepreneurial operating system in a nonprofit organization such as yours. You know, that is an interesting question because, you know, really most of these types of systems, EOS included, are really for those for-profit organizations. And what I really have to commend our certified implementer, Mike Roth, is he was able to help us take the EOS tools and make them work for a nonprofit organization. I have worked in the for-profit and I've worked in the nonprofit world. And the reality is business is the same. You have to earn revenue so that you can continue your mission and your work. And we may not be making or selling widgets, but we need to make sure that we are earning revenue so that we can continue expanding our services and expanding our programs. And it's interesting because sometimes staff who are within our nonprofit world, when I talk about revenues, when I talk about the fact that we need to increase revenue and decrease expenses so that we can continue expanding the work that we do, that whole idea of profit kind of feels dirty in the nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've had to go back and make sure people understand that when I say profit, that profit gets turned back into the organization and it doesn't go to shareholders or stockholders or my pocket per se, but it gives us the opportunity to continue serving more and more people. So when you take something like EOS and you apply it to a nonprofit organization, the tools overlap perfectly. Individuals who work in a nonprofit organization who may not have a traditional business background may need to translate some of those words that we hear in business, in leadership models, in EOS, and put them into the nonprofit sector so that they can understand how those things overlay the work that we do every day. Yeah. One of my nonprofit clients used the phrase, no margin, no mission. So exactly. very consistent thinking. I understand that you joined Catholic Charities of the Diocese of St. Cloud about six months after they had begun their EOS implementation journey. So tell us what that felt like after stepping out of your hospital roles into a company already running on EOS. When I came to Catholic Charities, we're a nonprofit organization and we were doing the nonprofit side of it very, very well. Um, <laughs> in actuality, we were extremely financially challenged to the point that individuals on our board, our board of directors were saying, we need to put a model in place to improve the financial performance of the organization. Mm -hmm. In my healthcare days, I had worked in other systems 
similar to EOS that helped drive organizations forward. So although I wasn't familiar with EOS when I first came to Catholic Charities, I quickly became a student of it and quickly had the opportunity to learn the tools and was actually quite grateful that the framework was already in place. The organization was very young in its role as far as implementing EOS. So there was still a lot of time to build. Uh, They had done their initial two day. They had set their first VTO and I believe they had gone through their first quarterly meeting by the time that, that I had arrived. So I needed to catch up a little bit. Got it. And although I wasn't that familiar with EOS, I had seen the success of systems and tools like this. So I wasn't going to come in and say, I'm the new guy and I'm bringing a new system with me. I thought, I believe in these types of systems. Let me learn about EOS and continue the journey with the organization. And it has been the right choice for our organization. Truly, the tools have kept us focused so that we can continue moving forward. There's always a lot of work to be done, but we are in a much better position to serve our clients today because the entire leadership team has rallied around each other, embraced the tools, we're looking in the same direction, and we are implementing what we need to implement on a very regular basis across our organization to make sure we're moving forward, not even quarter by quarter, but by week by week in looking at our scorecard and looking at our level tens. And Steve, I presume as the executive director, you're sitting in the integrator seat. Is that correct on your accountability chart? I'm sitting in the visionary seat. Visionary seat. And you have an integrator. Yes. And that would be our chief operating officer, Renee Sternkey. Got it. Great. So for the listener who doesn't understand EOS jargon, I just want to say visionary is typically the big picture thinker, new ideas, face of the organization, et cetera. The integrator is the person who keeps the trains running on time. Is that the way it works at your organization? Yeah, I'd even go a step further and say, I'm the one that comes up with the crazy ideas and Renee's got the responsibility of making sure that they work. (laughs) That's well said. Well said. So let's talk about uh, leadership for a bit, if we can. Would you help the listener understand, maybe by giving an example of a great leader you learned from in the early days of your career, what great leadership looks like to you? What greatership looks like to me? And, and, you know, as you said that there's a particular individual who has been a friend and mentor to me in my business life. And really what that is, is to me, great leadership is making sure that you are as transparent as possible with all of the people across the organization and being somewhat vulnerable at times and realizing that you as the leader, if you're sitting in that visionary seat, doesn't mean that you're the implementer. I am not able to walk across the organization and do the work of the 400 employees, and they don't need me to do that, which is why we've got great people across the organization who are entrusted to do that work. So the way I see my role in leadership is, first of all, to point to the goal that we're working towards and then get out of the way so that people can get us there. The other thing that I see in my role is I'm the guy who needs to get all the obstacles out of the way so the organization can get to that goal. I don't see myself as somebody who's charging forward with the organization behind me. I see us all standing together, locked together, moving forward together. 
That's what I see great leadership is. Awesome. And and turning the tables on you, and again, maybe you have an example uh, for this too. What are the leadership or management tendencies that you see are destructive or harmful in an organization? Probably ego. You know, sometimes you get that nameplate on your door or that business card or that parking spot uh, close to the door that no one else seems to park in. (laughs) But all of a sudden you feel as though you are somehow anointed as the end all be all. And really what I have to do is I have to make sure that my team understands that what I want from them and expect from them is to challenge me. Mm -hmm. And if I make a good decision, Let's talk about it and move forward. If I make a stinker of a decision, challenge me on it because I know that I'm imperfect. I'm probably more imperfect than I am perfect, but I need you to call me out so that we know that we're moving forward. I think that ego can get in the way. If all of a sudden you think that every decision you're making is the best decision for an organization. Earlier, you shared when you started your tenure there that the organization was struggling financially, that I would call a leadership challenge may not be the biggest you've ever faced, but whether that or a different challenge, would you tell the listener what's been your biggest struggle since coming to St. Cloud? Probably my biggest struggle has been making sure that everyone across the organization trusts me Hmm. to lead the organization forward. Again, in for-profit and nonprofit worlds, my experience has been in nonprofit, and I can specifically say in Catholic charities, every single person across the organization is committed and committed to the clients that we serve. They embrace the mission. We all want to do really good work. The problem was, was we were just ever so slightly out of alignment mm-hmm. with each other. And one of the analogies that I brought to the organization very early on is I said, you know, If we were standing on the West Coast of the United States and we all agreed that we wanted to swim to Hawaii because that was the right thing to do, that was our goal, we could, if we were well-trained and committed and focused, actually make that swim to Hawaii. But the problem is, if we start swimming and we're off even just two or three degrees, we'd never get there because we'd swim beyond our, our goal. So I said, What we need to do as an organization is we need to determine what the swim lane is so that we all stay in the swim lane. And if we stay in our swim lane, we will reach our goal no matter how big it is. And truly, I think one of the things that I appreciate from EOS and the various tools is they help us develop the swim lane so that we're not drifting too far left and we're not drifting too far right. But what we can do is we can continue looking up on a very regular basis to make sure we're continuing to move forward to achieve our goal. And what the quarterlies do for us is it gives us as an entire leadership team an opportunity to raise our head out of the water and make sure that we're still on track. Awesome. And then, you know, what I see the level 10 and the scorecard do for us is it makes sure that we're not waiting till the end of the quarter. And, you know, Renee's responsibility as the integrator for us is she needs to raise her head weekly to make sure that the organization is moving forward. And as executive director of the organization, I need to be lifting my head out of the water a couple of times a day. Yeah. And really it's all about staying in the swim lane so that you can achieve that goal. 
Let's go back to the start of that conversation where you talked about the importance of ensuring everybody trusts you to lead the organization. Have you ever had somebody on this team or any other team where you were a leader where you didn't feel you had that trust? And if so, what did you do to fix that? Transparency and communication. Yes, I've had people on this team, some who were on the team when I arrived and they're no longer here, and some people who are still on the team that have understood that I'm here to serve the organization and I'm here to serve the clients. I'm here to serve them and not myself. And I needed to say, we're not going to be able to fix this organization and right the ship quickly. It's going to take time and I need you to trust me. And what I learned very quickly was through transparency, I needed to make sure that the organization and the leadership team understood why we were making the decisions that we were making and having them part of those decisions as well so that we were all in alignment to move forward. Frankly, there were some people who probably were a little concerned that my intentions were not where I said they were or change was difficult. And they were uncomfortable giving me the time that they needed in order for me to earn their trust. Some people chose to leave the organization, and I understand that. Other people moved into different roles within the organization because they felt and realized that they were a better fit in a different role. And some people, a lot of people, have locked arms with me and said, let's move forward together. So, Steve, you have a very soothing manner about you. And so when you shared all that with me, having had lots of those conversations myself, I know there's a lot of emotion around that. So tell the listener what you were feeling getting ready for one of those conversations. I want them to know that it's normal to not look forward to it more than anything else, if that makes sense. So with all the challenges that the organization had when I arrived, What I never took out of the back of my mind was the reason that we were here was to serve those 52,000 people. These are the people that are hungry. These are the people that need homes. I had to put the client forward in every one of those conversations. Mm -hmm. And having the difficult conversation with the employee, sure, it was difficult. But if we didn't do it right, we wouldn't be around to serve those 52, 53,000 people. The other thing that I've learned throughout all my years of leadership is, you know, even before Catholic Charities, is those difficult conversations, as difficult as they are, they're absolutely necessary. Because if you don't have those conversations, the issues never resolve. So let's sit down and have the conversation and put it behind us. And maybe the resolution to that conversation is, here's some goals, here's some strategies, here are some tactics that I need you to work towards. And maybe sometimes that conversation is, are you the right person in the right seat? Hmm. And the way I frame that is maybe you've outgrown this organization. Maybe your talents and skills are now best served in an organization that's different than ours. Great. And, you know, having those conversations and phrasing things that way, it isn't an attack because I recognize everyone who comes to work has wonderful skills and talents that may or may not align with our organization. And truly, sometimes people outgrow the organization because we have limited resources and we can't keep up with you professionally. So maybe you're ready to move on. Let me be the one to give you that endorsement into your next position because you've likely outgrown us. Endorsement. I like that. I like that. 
So, so I want to bring back a couple of things you say, because I think it's really important. The first point of clarity I want to make is when you say right people, right seats, that's EOS terminology for people who fit the company's culture mm-hmm. and who are really good at their jobs. And so when you don't have both, you got to have a tough conversation. And then to summarize your way of dealing with the emotion around those conversations, what I heard was, number one, stay focused on the mission the greater good of the organization and the people that you serve. No one person's needs is more important than that. And then the second thing I heard you say is that if you don't have the tough conversation with the person who doesn't fit for whatever reason, you're actually doing them a disservice because they need to know there's improvement to be made. If they don't know, they're not going to change. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes people don't recognize that they're not meeting the expectation of the organization. Sometimes it's a, what I have thought was going to be the most difficult, challenging conversation was an aha moment for that right. employee. Oh, thanks for letting me know. I can fix that. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. That's great. Absolutely. And I have been in situations where the most challenging employee within the team, once you have that difficult conversation, ends up being the star of that team yeah. because he or she just simply didn't know That's what right. they didn't know. That's right. That's right. Great, great observation. Have you ever felt stuck as a leader, that unsure what to do? And if so, what was the situation and where'd you go to get unstuck? There's probably been so many of those experiences that I'm having trouble uh, nailing one down. <laughs> you know, the reality is I have had the opportunity to meet with and work for some of the most dynamic, positive, effective leaders And I bet if I asked every single one of them, the first thing they'd say is, I don't have all the answers. So being willing to pause and admit, I have no clue how to move forward here. And utilizing your network, utilizing the other people around you to help you envision what those issues are, how to overcome it. Because if you're stuck someplace and you don't know where the next step is, it might be because you're too deep into the weeds. Maybe what you need is somebody at 50,000 feet who can say, did you look over here? Because I think that's the path. And probably nine out of 10 times you go, nope, the direction you gave me is not the right one, but we're somewhere in between me being stuck and what you suggested. So, you know, it's a willingness to pull yourself out of the weeds, ask people for help, and then move forward. There have been a lot of situations in my leadership where I kind of sit there and say, boy, I... I think I'm stuck and I need somebody else to help me out. Yeah. And you've just shared the converse of the leadership trait that bothers you, which is ego, right? The Mm -hmm. the, the belief that you have to figure it all out yourself as opposed to relying on other people with differing perspectives. So here's an example of probably where I failed, you know, as a leader during the economic downturn of 2008 into 2009, healthcare lagged other industries as far as how the economic impact was was hurting financially. And administration told me that I needed to take X percent of expenses out of my department, which came down to layoffs. And I struggled with where to find those layoffs to meet that, that target, financial target that I needed. I got to that number and um, had the difficult conversations with the employees that were going to lose their job that day. Good employees who for no other reason than I couldn't afford to keep them were losing their job that day. 
So I had those conversations and I had a department meeting that evening so that everyone knew what had occurred earlier that day. And the department, some of the individuals pulled me aside and they said, why didn't you tell us that you needed to hit this target? Why couldn't we be part of the solution? And at the time, it was my ego that kept me from asking mm. for help. Mm. And my aha moment was when one of the, the team members said, Steve, were you told you had to lay off people or were you told you had to cut expenses? And I said, I was told I had to cut expenses, which meant layoffs. And they said, if you had included us in the conversation, we could have probably helped cut those expenses with no one losing their job. Mm. There was no coming back from that. I had let those people go. And if I had set my ego aside and I didn't recognize it as ego at the time, I thought as a leader, I had to make the decisions on my own. Mm. I probably could have saved those individuals jobs and we likely could have met the expense reduction target and then some. Now that sounds like it was a very painful lesson, Steve. It's happened more than 10 years ago and it haunts me today. Because not only do I think I grow from my positive experiences as a leader, but also reflecting on where I failed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I thank you for sharing that. It was a really powerful lesson. Let's talk about, speaking of painful lessons, there's a lot of people hurting right now, and your organization is serving a lot of people who are hurting right now. How are you and your team facing the myriad challenges we seem to be facing in the world today? We can't lose focus on the mission. What we're doing this year as an organization is we're really looking at the values in the organization. And we're realizing that in order to have the most effective team, we need to make sure that everyone across the organization continues to shine the spotlight on our values. And our values at Catholic Charities are dignity, respect, service, hope, compassion and accountability. And we put that in the forefront of everything we do. When we have the difficult conversations with each other, we're making sure that we are layering those values on top of it. We're re realizing that as we're adding people to our organization, those individuals need to bring those values with them. And we're making decisions with all of those values in place. Well, there are people who are hurting, so we need to make sure that we are being compassionate, we're providing service, we're giving them dignity and respect. And also through transparency, having conversations with our donors and saying, this is what we need and why, and here's individuals who are in need. I am happy to say that we have had some very generous donors who have continued to support us during this difficult time because they know that there's people right here in our communities that would go without if it wasn't for their generosity. I think as an organization to get through the economic and financial challenges and the health challenges that we're being faced with, we need to be open and we need to be transparent. We need to talk about the successes that we're having and we need to talk about the challenges and we need to lay our, our values on top of every conversation we have. Yeah, it seems to me like we're facing a world in which your organization is going to be beset by an increased demand for services and a more difficult challenge finding the capital to pay for those services. So Absolutely. And where do we defer some yeah. expenses in order to, because, you know, the first thing is, is we want to make sure we're taking care of our clients. Um, so we will defer expenses within the organization and other places to make sure that we continue serving those people mm -hmm. who are in need. Well, Godspeed, wishing you all the best in that mission. Let's change gears a little bit. One of the questions I like to ask a leader, it, 
forces you to step out of your role as a leader in your organization and think about leadership in the context of your family and your community and your, your other passions that you pursue. How do you bring what you've learned as a leader into those parts of your life? You know, it's interesting you say that because I think I do the opposite. Hmm. I think I bring my role as a husband, as a father, more into my role as a leader. Hmm. The individuals in our organization are more than employees to me. They're family. Hmm. And I know that the decisions that I make impact them. And I would never, ever want to do anything Hmm. to harm my wife, to harm, harm my family, to do anything that would derail our relationship and our goals and our dreams. And I know to an extent as a husband and father, I'm asked to make some decisions in partnership, obviously with my wife. And I really think that that's how I'm a leader in the organization. Mm -hmm. I don't make very many unilateral decisions. There are times where we get to a point that we need to decide something because we've come to an impasse And I might have to stand up and say, because of my role, we're going this direction or that. But I really see myself more as a husband and father in the organization than I see myself as a leader in my personal life. I might have just dodged your question. But um, well, for the record, it's the best answer I've ever gotten to that question. And I really appreciate your vulnerability. So dodging permitted and appreciated. Let's put it that way. Thank you. So. I want to close with this. How has EOS helped you and Renee and the rest of your leadership team bring great leadership to bear under all kinds of circumstances? The trouble you found yourself in at the beginning of your journey, the turning around of the situation, and then now these new challenges we face. What role is EOS playing in making that job easier, harder, or anything in between? First of all, EOS has made it easier because we're all in alignment You know, we can look at our VTO and through all the challenges, you know, our 10-year goal has not changed. We may have needed to adjust tactics in order to meet that. But without that out there, without these tools, these EOS tools helping us along the way, I think would be adrift somewhere. With all the challenges, I think the best thing that EOS has brought to the organization and that has brought to me personally is accountability. And accountability often sounds and feels like a negative. I'm going to hold you accountable. Well, no, it's not a negative. It's an expectation. And knowing that we're going to have the conversation each and every week. Are you on track? Are you off track with your rocks? Tell us about your scorecard. Did you meet goal for the week? What can we do to help you? Help me understand. It becomes a collaborative conversation and not an accusatory conversation. Mm -hmm. Holding each other accountable has brought great respect within our leadership team. What I'm seeing and feeling is there is this cohesiveness and this collaboration instead of people running off to their silos to protect themselves and the worlds for which they built within the organization. I think one of the greatest gifts of the EOS system is actually it has brought down barriers and it has taken silos apart and we're working as a team collaborating together instead of making sure that our personal agendas or our team agendas rise above everything else. Thank you. I appreciate that response. What a great time it's been to speak with you, Steve. Thanks again for being so generous with your time and your spirit. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Peyton. 
for the listener who wants to learn more about you or Catholic Charities, where should they go to learn more? Probably the easiest way is to go out to our website, which is ccstcloud.org. And on there, you will find all sorts of information about our organization and also how to get hold of not only myself, but anyone on our leadership team could be happy to talk to anyone about what we do at Catholic Charities and how we have utilized the EOS tools to get us to where we are. And also probably more importantly, how the EOS tools will get us to our next level of success. Awesome. Thank you. I will make sure that gets clearly captured in the show notes and uh, hope that lots of people who are as impressed by you as I've been uh, will reach out and do what they can to help and learn more. Uh, Let me close by saying I'd ask anyone listening today to please consider sharing this episode with a friend. We want to share this great message of leadership with the world. And so if you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, make sure to bring them into the fold and tell them about the Lead Now podcast. Thank you very much for listening today. Remember that the world needs all of us to lead right now more than ever. Here's hoping today's podcast helps you do just that. If you're running your business on EOS, you know we value open and honest feedback. So please open up your podcasting app and leave us a review. Let us know if there's anything we can do to make the podcast better or help you along on your own entrepreneurial leadership journey.